Hello and welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley and I'm one of your hosts. I am joined in this episode by my co-hosts. She once saw Glenn Coase order a pineapple sandwich. Whitney Nelson. Hello, that's me. And the only stars that matter are the ones she looks at when she dreams. Lindsay Nelson comes back. <laughs> Hello. It has been a minute since we were together and recorded, but I'm excited that we made this work and we're here for this movie in particular, which is so refreshing and funny and fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. get mm -hmm. some of the rigmarole out of the way and then we're going to get into it proper. Yeah. First part of the rigmarole, register to vote. Oh, yeah. Do that. Yeah. Request a mail-in ballot if that's your thing. You can also drop them off in person. So Whitney and I, Pennsylvania, uh, they do a great job of letting you know, hey, you have registered. You will be receiving that soon. And when you actually send it or drop it off, uh, they also send you an email like, got it. You're good. Yeah. So check what your state does. Get involved. Do yeah, that. That's very nice. California doesn't yeah. send you a notification when it's received, but they have a website where you can check if it's yes. received or not. But not that convenience of them letting you know. I was that was actually pleasantly surprised that Pennsylvania did that because the last time we voted, I like, oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I feel appreciated. I feel seen. <laughs> so it's always good. It's always good. Go, go make that voting shit happen. Also, depending on your proclivities, I'm not gonna say anything overtly political one way or another, but depending on how you want to vote, I highly recommend Alana Glazer is doing a uh, series of like webcast videos where she's doing a cheat sheet for each state and going down the ballot. And obviously it's very progressive stuff because Alana Glazer is very progressive and leftist. Yeah. So if that's mm -hmm. your steez and you want to feel going in to it knowing that the pros and cons of people and just having someone's opinion. Um, she does a very good and entertaining way, job of explaining in a way that is understandable and giving you a list of everything that, that she's thinking and why. Um, so it makes it super easy to go in and just have a list and know why you're voting for the people you're voting for. That's obviously if you want to go very progressive with your voting. Uh, I don't have yeah. any resources for you if you're not. NPR also does a good job of breaking down like your whole ballot and the propositions that are local to you and everything. If you want just a no opinion, but just a clear outline of what everything is. Well, yeah, but she's also like Alana Glazer <laughs> has like busy Phillips and like a drag queen and like, you right. know, but it's. More fun if you want it to be entertaining <laughs> as well as a good list of resources. Right. Uh, For sure. Which is more my sure speed. <laughs> a lot of Glazer will always be more my speed than NPR. Not that NPR is <laughs> not my speed. Whitney, I'm right yeah. there with you. Got to be honest. But yeah, I, I do appreciate knowing the issues. I would rather have a drag queen telling me how Arizona should vote than <laughs> NPR. I mean, it's it definitely more fun. Drag queens over Ira Glass. That's, yeah. you no. know. Drag queens, yes. don't pit those two against each other, Whitney. Oh, no. What <laughs> no, have we done? I'm just saying. Where are we? <laughs> Ira Glass is like this is the a whole father different of podcasting. Podcast. No, uh -huh. he really is. And I'm not saying I don't like the Ira Glass. 
I like Ira Glass. I'm, not I'm just saying there's no reason why we have to pit drag queens versus <laughs> Ira Glass, so let's not do it. That's all I'm it's saying. Needless. Fair enough. It's We're needless. here to talk about Keanu Reeves anyway, so I don't know how <laughs> I got us to where I got us to, but... <laughs> no, you, you made a very salient point. Yeah. Uh, vote, uh, be involved in our democracy because the alternative is not, you know, if you don't get involved now. Not they're, having they're, one anymore. Right. <laughs> We're on the edge of not having feels, one anymore. So feels realistic. So, you know, yeah. just do that. That's the first bit of housekeeping. If you're in the United States, okay, just... Yeah, do, do that, please. I mean, vote anywhere you can vote, wherever you're listening from. If there's a chance oh, to yeah, vote, vote. Of course. We we are we are not the only ones running things into the ground. We're just doing it faster. <laughs> Number one. No. <laughs> <laughs> but vote wherever you are if you can vote. If that's a thing that you do in your country, do it. Be active yeah. in it. Because... You know, we may be in the end times and <laughs> gotta do it. Laugh to keep from crying. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah I, yeah. I know you do. There's a reason why I grew so much food over the summer, and that's because I'm worried there may be none. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I'm like, now's the time to learn how to sew your own clothing yeah. and grow your own food because I I don't know. I'm not like a Super alarmist, but also it can't hurt, right? It can't hurt exactly. Right, it's a good the good skills. It's good to know how to start a fire Some if you first need to. Aid, how you know? Yeah. Uh, no, how to find friend, north. My best friend Nina and I both studied anthropology. She's an anthropology professor, and so we always promised we'd team up in the event of apocalypse because we have reproduced and learned about lots of basic technology. Like I have yes. flint nap tools. So we feel fairly nice. confident in our ability to, you know. Also, just a heads up, rabbits are the most cost-effective and sustainable meat source for an individual. Interesting. Okay. But you need to, to make know. sure you're eating plenty of greens if you are eating rabbit because they deplete yes. Yes. your iron, is it, I think, if you are I eating think it without eating I think a lot of green iron. vegetables. Yeah, like spinach yeah. and broccoli and stuff have a lot of iron, so I think that's what it is. But anyway, okay. they're the cheapest to feed <laughs> and most sustainable to reproduce rather than having cattle or chickens or whatever. Chickens are good, too, but rabbits are cheaper. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm just, just taking saying. Notes. I'm we just taking notes. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not. We're not at, like, build a bunker in your backyard levels, but it doesn't hurt to know those things, so. We're here to talk about Keanu Reeves. <laughs> We've already gotten off on, I don't know, a number of great tangents. We're so. on Twitter at Cool Breeze Pod. Yeah, just do Breed that. Breed rabbits. Here, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that'll be the title, and like in parentheses, <laughs> Breed Rabbits. Always be my maybe, parentheses, Breed Rabbits. Breed Rabbits for food. <laughs> well, I know you guys have some vegetarian listeners, so... Of course, yes, yeah. Well, then don't bring rabbits it, for food. It came up in the Bad Batch, so... That's true, that's mm -hmm. true. Pescatarians, vegetarians, yeah, we got, we got them all. All shapes and sizes, you know what I'm saying? Andrew, I hear you want to welcome our UK listeners into the fold. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I want to welcome them to where we were 
three and a half-ish weeks ago, Face the Music finally opened in, in the UK and Great Britain, <laughs> you know, I guess everywhere over there. Um, and th- many people have written to us to say that they went and they watched it, either socially distanced in a theater because they're doing a much better job over there than America is at, at, <laughs> at all of everything. Um, <laughs> and many people have expressed their absolute joy uh, of the film, which is great. It's great. Um, so, we, yeah, like we hope you enjoyed it and are very much looking forward two episodes from now to recording our thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, very very soon we will talk about it. So so get us your opinions. Yeah, definitely do and that. And we will um, include them. Yeah, if you have any uh obviously we will read any emails and stuff, but if you want to send in some recorded uh pre-recorded stuff, a lot of people have this voice thing, this voice tweet thing activated now, so do that. Uh we can make that happen. So that's great. For the rest of the, you know, lineup at the top here, <laughs> you can uh, find the website at coolbreezepod.com, email us coolbreezepod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. Uh, I have a, I have something, <laughs> Zoe wrote this in, it was actually about, Zoe, I apologize, this is about two weeks old, uh, but she wrote in with an interesting challenge for a lot of our listeners. Um, it seems like everybody has a very difficult time ranking their favorite Keanu Reeves movies, and we've gotten it more than once where it's like, well, my favorite's a 44-way tie, or <laughs> like some ridiculous number like that. I get it. I, I get it. It's, I, it's just must, it's much easier for Whitney and I to slice through and just kind of put these things in their place. I'm very, I like things in order, so that's us. However, Zoe thought... It might be cool to just rank your favorite Johns. So Keanu <laughs> has played a number of Johns. Uh, and he will, it seems like with no end in sight, truly. Utah, Don John, Mnemonic, Constantine, the guy from Generation Um, which may have been his name or just the fact that he was a John, not super sure, and obviously Wick. Uh, and then upcoming, he'll be playing Johnny Silverhand in Cyberpunk 2077. So the guy just likes his Johns, right? Mm-hmm. I'm interested in hearing about these John rankings. I think this is this is interesting to me. You don't have yes. to worry about like, you know, was Much Ado About Nothing better than John Wick? It's like, no, which John do you prefer? I don't know. Yes. That might actually be just <laughs> as hard. But I, I think just going with like, Eight of these guys might be easier than 70-ish. So email us, tweet us, whatever works best. Do that. I want John rankings. I want them. Yes. If you happen to be <laughs> from the two of you as well, right think now. about it. I'm thinking think about, about you mine can do right it. now. All right, go for it. Wick. This is interesting because it's so different from my order of movies. So far, it's the exact same. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, okay, okay. No, but Wick, Utah, Constantine, Mnemonic, Don John, Generation Um, and then I haven't played Johnny Silverhand. I think that's probably going to be pretty high. I think that... I'm going to really like Johnny Silverhand a lot. But that's very different than my movie ranking. You put Mnemonic above Don John? Uh-huh. What? <laughs> no, that's great. Hey, that is very. that is actually extremely different. Extremely yes. different. It is extremely different, except for John Wick being my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Lindsay, do you happen to have? I don't. Have you? Um, you've, it seems like you've seen all these. I think these, with the exception of Generation Um, I don't know. I if haven't you seen that. Generation Um, and I haven't seen Johnny Mnemonic. So. Oh, okay. 
So I yeah. don't know about that one. Otherwise, I've, I've seen them all of these mentioned. So I would have to go uh, Constantine, Wick, Utah, Don John. Uh-huh, just because, uh-huh. you know, I don't know the other ones, so I can't. <laughs> That's them. all right. I think you're probably on the right track, though. Probably on the right track. That feels good. I might be... If I, your list might be mine. Wick, I, I'll, I'll switch it. I'll, Wick, now you know what? Wick, Utah, Constantine, Mnemonic, Don John, John from Generation Um. Yeah, that feels great. That's us. Tell us yours. Email, tweet, all that good stuff. If you're watching live on Periscope, Twitch, or Facebook, uh, you could chime in with your two cents, have us read your comments out loud, agree, debate you, that sort of thing. Richard, I see you on Facebook. Hello, if you're still watching. If not, well, that's that's Goodbye. your loss. You 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 missed out on a lot of great survival tips. So I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Finally, if you want to be excellent to us, please share the show with your friends. Rate and review us on iTunes. Bring more folks into the fray. We're like two episodes from launching the next thing, which will then be like a month out, month, you know, six weeks, something like that. Uh, the Kurt Locker. It's going to be great. We're doing we a, a little bit of, of our... a hiatus so Whitney can find a job, but then yeah. we're getting right back into it. We'll give you the feed. We'll give you a trailer. You can subscribe. You can listen. Meet some of the hosts. You'll see the f- fucking awesome new artwork we have. It's crazy. <laughs> I love it. It's very I love good. it. Uh, and that's it. That's all the housekeeping. It took about 25 minutes, to, uh, maybe 15 minutes to get there. It's fine. Lindsay. Can you tell us what we're talking about here today? Absolutely. Today we are talking about the film Always Be My Maybe. Uh, oh. it, it's such a good movie. Uh, the plot, uh, spoilers, I guess, for my opinion about <laughs> it. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> but the uh, plot synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is childhood sweethearts have a falling out and don't speak for 15 years. They reconnect as adults when Sasha runs into Marcus in San Francisco. Although the old sparks are still there, the couple live in different worlds. Mm. Um, And this movie was written by Ali Wong and Randall Park. And Michelle, I'm not sure how to say her last name. Glomko, maybe? Glomko? Yeah, something. Glomko, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was... Directed by, who's another one I'm not sure about, Najin Khan, um, yeah. who's directing and producing credits are primarily in television shows like Fresh Off the Boat, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, and American Dad. Um, mm-hmm. Co-starring alongside Keanu are some of the funniest living human beings <laughs> uh, like Ali Wong, Randall Park, James Santo, Michelle Buteau, Vivian Bang, Daniel Day Kim, and Karen Sony. It's an incredible cast. So yes. good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Whitney, what do the critics and the people have to say about Always Be My Maybe? So on Rotten Tomatoes, the critical score is 89%, so it's certified fresh. Uh, and then audiences like it just a little bit less, coming in at 80%. So we've got 89 for critics and 80% for audience, which I actually would have assumed that it's the other way around, personally. Because this movie shakes up some stereotypical rom-com tropes, and and, but it is still a rom-com. And it does fit a lot, tick a lot of the boxes 
of a stereotypical rom-com. So I would have assumed the other way around that it was more people-pleasing than critic-pleasing. Mm-hmm. But we're, we have, uh, critics have the edge this time. So we have a quote from Leah Greenblatt of Entertainment Weekly who says, Netflix seems to have found its true purpose in original movie programming over the past year. Clever, endlessly memeable rom-coms meant to be washed on the floor in your weird pajamas. <laughs> it's a very yeah, funny okay. quote. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I'm into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on Rotten Tomatoes user Eugene B., gives it four out of five stars and says Ali Wong and Randall Park sparkle together in this cheesy yet surprisingly delightful rom-com. Always Be My Baby is unapologetic, charming, and filled to the core with heart that will leave the audience with warmth and laughter by the end. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that all, uh, that all checks out. Yeah. Eugene? Uh, Yeah. Well done. Yeah. We have a couple listener thoughts. Uh, Maria, I have no idea how to say your last name, Maria. Yun? Yen. Uh, yeah, Yen, Yun. Let us know how to pronounce it, but sorry. <laughs> I think it's Yun. Uh, Maria, we read the first part of her email in our episode for Toy Story 4. Along with it, she talked about Always Be My Maybe, and this is what she said. I'm Chinese, born and raised in Australia, and living in the UK for 20 years now. It says something about Keanu being such a force of nature that I've never really wondered about his ethnicity, though I had read plenty of times where his parents are from. I love to always be my maybe, and I won't need to wax crazy lyrical about Keanu's capacity for comic genius in it. What I I was really sounded to read about is that Ali Wong consciously wanted her character to be someone who would choose Asian partners, as she felt this was an important part of Sasha's dynamic, hence the gorgeous Daniel Day Kim. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Side note. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I had never before considered Keanu to be Asian, then got to thinking about 47 Ronin, Man of Tai Chi, etc. I'd be intrigued how he would identify himself, but just being a nod to diversity is a big yes for me. It is a huge deal for me as a Chinese girl, daughter of immigrants, to watch a rom-com with Central Asian characters. There are loads of cultural references which are spot on. Penny Pitchin parents, eating spam, Vienna sausages, etc. I'm in my 40s, but it still means a lot to have badass role models like Ali Wong and Aquafina getting exposure in big roles. Also, we love Aquafina here. Yep, yep. Totally, yes. Love her. After watching this film, I found a load of great podcasts about Asian American issues, e.g. Yellow Peril, which we'll talk about when we get into it. Mm-hmm. And feel like I've opened feel like I've opened up a whole new dialogue with myself and my siblings, and that's been really cool. For what it's worth, easily the best character besides Keanu in this film is Mr. Kim, who is a complete winner. I agree. He's amazing and charming mm-hmm. and delightful. Yeah. Thank you again, and I'll shed a little, little tear when the pod comes to an end. Just Oof. thank you, what an email. Maria. Great yeah, email. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. And also yeah. to her point, uh, I, I heard when Ali Wong was doing interviews for the show, her talk about not only wanting to express Sasha's like attraction for Asian and Asian American men, but mm-hmm. her saying, yeah, this was also my plot as a 37 year old mother of two to get to kiss Keanu Reeves and Daniel Day Kim <laughs> in the same movie. It worked. Uh, yeah, it worked I mean, so well. If I ever, if I am ever in a, any sort of position of power in a movie, I will be like, how can I kiss 
Daniel, they came in Keanu Reeves. I don't blame <laughs> yeah. her at all. Right. Of course. Of course. Maria, don't cry when the podcast comes to an end. Follow us to Kurt Russell, even if you don't feel the same way about him as you do about Keanu Reeves. I can promise it'll be worth your while. Absolutely. Absolutely. Zoe P. also wrote in a quick thing about this movie where uh, Zoe says, I love a rom-com. I love Keanu Reeves. And I love it when people play a caricature of themselves. All three boxes have been ticked. Keanu, the cameo scene stealer, strikes again. Also, the song at the end is genius. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it is a perfect song by a perfect band. It's an incredible song. That I would song. listen to <laughs> if they only release more albums on Spotify. Just release more albums, Randall. Please. Please. Yeah, come on. <laughs> All right. So... We have a movie that is uh, fresh. We have audiences that are surprisingly, you know, mostly positive, 80% positive on it. Uh, some great reviews, some very insightful reviews, reviews that had resonated with people in a, a similar uh, situation. So then let me put this out there to you, Lindsay, to start. Uh, mm -hmm. Did this movie work for you? Uh, it definitely does. I, and it's, for me, it's fun because, like, I am not a big rom-com person. Like, I have nothing against it. It's just not my escapism, you know, necessarily. Same, 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 same. Unless you consider... I mean, it depends on what you call a rom-com, too. Because, like, my favorite movie of all time is The Princess Bride, which could definitely be called a rom-com, even though it's not usually counted as one. Um, mm -hmm. But there's something about this movie that, while it's also very, like, funny and light and it just feels so realistic to me in a way that a lot of rom-coms don't so um also the costume designer is incredible those 90s costumes are amazing mm -hmm. <laughs> they're yeah. like so and you know they're so 90s without being well being everyday 90s you know they're not like exaggerated high fashion 90s they're just what i remember everybody wearing in the 90s yes exactly <laughs> It's hard to peg it down <laughs> um, without being too much of a, a caricature wardrobe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, totally. And I think that the costume designer just totally hit the nail on the head with that. I think that the pacing of this movie is really good. It's totally like, you know, fun. Feels like it's over too soon. Um, the plot is really good. And like I said, feels really realistic um, for a rom-com. There's nothing that you feel like couldn't actually happen you know, that happens in mm -hmm. this movie. Um, the characters are all great. They feel so much like real people. Part of it is the fact that this was a bunch of friends who'd wanted to do a movie together for a really long time. And so the yeah. fact that, like, the center group is a group of friends feels very, you know, uh, it just does feel like they're all hanging out and having fun with each other. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I think this is a really great movie. I mean... Technically, I think it's really nice. I don't think there was nothing besides the costuming that really like stood out to me as like amazing technical work, but all of it was like super competent, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's a really fun, sweet movie. That's fantastic. Uh, let me ask, uh, are you on the same page as Zoe in terms of Keanu in this movie? <laughs> like him Absolutely. playing the larger than life version of himself? <laughs> Totally. I'm with Zoe, too, that I love people playing 
caricatures of themselves. Yeah. Um, like the only part of, I, it's not not my kind of movie at all, but the only part of Harold and Kumar go to White Castle that I liked was Neil Patrick <laughs> Neil Harris Patrick playing Harris. a ridiculous <laughs> yeah. version of himself. Uh-huh. It's the only part I laughed at in the whole movie. I love people playing, especially crazy, amped up, versions of themselves or like versions of themselves based off of everyone does there's so many celebrities <laughs> that have reinvigorated their career by going on snl and making fun of themselves absolutely yeah, yeah. well great. especially when it's something like this performance where you can tell that he genuinely has a sense of humor about it mm-hmm. <laughs> like um and he also kind of knows what how some people could think of him sometimes. Um, a, a total shock to me the first time I saw the movie because I'd seen the trailer with him in it, but nowhere in the trailer that I saw do they give away that he's playing himself. And I thought he was just had a cameo as like a character. And then right. when she immediately said that it was Keanu, like he was playing himself when he comes over to the table at the restaurant. So funny. Just, yeah, incredible, great cameo. He, he pulls... I mean, it's a great movie all the way around, but he just really, for that section that he's there, it's so worth it. Yeah, absolutely. It sounded like when we did the watch party for this one and we had a pretty decent turnout at Charles Nolan among our attendees for that one, he had some specific trivia for that section that basically said he really kind of acted as a collaborator, like obviously a team player, but like had ideas that he, like the idea of him having glasses with no lenses, that was Keanu's idea. That wasn't in the script. So all these little things you learn about him, like that's very, very funny. And to comment like, oh, my eyesight is perfect. He really seems to have come to the table with like, here's a thing about me we could make fun of. Yeah, absolutely. And that takes balls no matter who you are or how (laughs) famous you are. Like if Gwyneth Paltrow came to someone and said, here's all the things with goop that are ridiculous and you could make fun of in this sketch or whatever. Mm-hmm. That would be incredible. And a lot of people don't have the guts to be incisive about or themselves in like a really parody the full way. Self, or the full self-awareness. Because like, yeah. I don't right. think Gwyneth Paltrow could see herself that objectively. No. Like, he can <laughs> to come in with this. And again, in an interview I saw with Ali Wong about this, her talking about, they wrote it with him in the script. Yeah. And... Did not think there was a shot that they were going to get it, but get him, but sent it to him anyways. And he immediately replied that he'd been obsessed with Cobra Baby, Ali Wong's stand-up special that she yeah. just done and was like quoting lines of it to her. And was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I totally just want to come play with you guys. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So Whitney, I'm going to toss it to you, but I'm mm-hmm. going to, we're going to start at the end. You said in our live stream that, uh, this was the greatest character entrance of all time for Keanu. Do you still stand by that? I do. Of anybody ever introduced on screen, this yes. is the best. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I stand by that. Perfect. Be- I just wanted to get because, that on the record. I mean, it's kind of because everything that we just said about his self-awareness and his willingness to take shots at himself and like yeah. just... Also, it's just good to see him. He so rarely gets to be in a comedic, goofy role. 
And it really is a place where he thrives. We so rarely see the over-the-top energetic, like very usually he's hanging back and you see the emotions going on in his head rather than being overt and, and energetic. And in this, you know, that's part of the reason why Bill and Ted is so great is because mm -hmm. he's he's wacky and he's silly and he's allowed to go over the top he's allowed to go over the top in this and he really embraces it. You can see him having fun making this movie. And so I just really think that the, the way that he comes in and it's sort of slow-mo dreamy and he's like blowing <laughs> kisses to everybody that he knows and everything. It's just so great. It's just the, an incredible intro. Yeah. Truly incredible. It's set to the song Sail by AWOL yes. Nation, and it's, Correct. it. I don't know if there is a better song to bring him in. And then for the duration <laughs> of the time he's on screen, it is mostly rock music. Like you hear, we hear like Alice in Chains and a lot of like 90s mm -hmm. grunge, mm -hmm. which I'm sure is some sort of weird dog star tie-in there. Well, that <laughs> but, and also I think it's just like a mood shift from the R&B that's yes. like, you get Randall Park and Ali Wong being nerds about music in this movie. Like, yep. so much of the score is clearly personal fave picks of of the creators. And I think that tonally it just, it it works to bring something else in that's not the R&B that, that is part of the rest of the movie. Absolutely. All right. So well, we got that out of the way. What's the, what, what else you got? Tell, yeah. tell me all about it. Well... I like this movie a lot. I think it's great. It's charming. The chemistry is there. It definitely is a fairly traditional rom-com. There's very little that I feel like breaks the mold other than mm -hmm. the people who are writing it write great dialogue because they're friends and because they're comedians. And, and so, like, the dialogue is, is great. But the storyline itself, there's a few things to take away from it, I think, that are different from a normal rom-com that are interesting lessons sort of in life. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a few details that I really love. Like, again, I am not Asian. So some of this stuff, I, I think it's far better told through an Asian viewpoint. But like, there's one point when she they're at the party and the girls are running around in the yard and they run into the house and the kids take off their shoes. Yeah. There's a lot they of... They take off their shoes when they're kids in the 90s, too, when, you know, they're, like, going next door to each other's houses and stuff. It's very... Yeah. Uh -huh. One of those very subtle but consistent cultural details. Well, that's the thing, is it's made with an eye... They're not saying... There are so many movies that talk about cultural backgrounds that really push it and it feels like you're being explained these things in this it's just part of the fabric of day-to-day -day life and it's part of the fabric of the movie without being pulled out and like shown to you and I think that's really great because it makes other cultures normal their day-to-day -day <laughs> life is just like ours the kicking off the shoes when you get in the door is not a big deal the way that food plays a part in Asian culture is is part of the movie, but it's not a big deal. It's just part of day-to-day -day life. And if you're part of any culture that food is a big central pivotal part, which is pretty much every culture because food is, you know, sustenance and whatever. So like a lot of cultures have rituals and it's a big part of family life and that sort of thing. But I love the way that it's all played 
so normal that it's just not like it doesn't stand out in any way. I love that the tapestry is very rich, but is also in the background to the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not gesturing towards it. It's yeah. just it just exists, which is must be very refreshing <laughs> if you are of Chinese and Asian heritage yeah. specifically. You're like, oh my god, I see my I see my family up there. You know? Yes, for sure. Um, I think that the way that they play. When you've really been in love with somebody, I think the way that they play the the moving on, not talking to each other for 15 years, but the way that that sort of connection is still there and the way that it can be reformed again played very true to me. Like mm-hmm. a real love doesn't die. And maybe you don't think about that person for 10 years or maybe you think about them occasionally, but you've moved on to somebody else. But that initial connection like that that made you like this person is still there and, and just sort of hits a flow where you don't need a moment like you do in a lot of other rom-coms where it's like, Oh, they hate each other. And then they suddenly fall in love. Like that love, that hate turns to love real quick. Mm-hmm. It, it's very natural the way that this movie do, does it. And I feel like it's, it tips its hat to like first loves and people you loved a long time ago and how that love is still there, whether you're with them or not, and how it can still be a part of who you are and who they are, and might be rekindled if you're in the same place at the same time, but also doesn't need to be. I just feel like there was a very smooth transition there that felt very true to life that a lot of rom-coms don't pick up. Yeah. And I also like the fact that in this movie, there was enough conversation to, like, for there to be a decision about whether you're going to be in this relationship or not in a very realistic way. This sort of, like, here's what I want. Are you coming with me? Do you want to make this happen or do you not? And him saying no and her saying, okay, I'm not going to compromise on that because you don't aren't sure where you want to go or what you want to do. I feel like her drawing a line in the sand about what she's willing to accept and what she's not is a very healthy attitude towards a relationship that needs to be seen more in rom-coms. I think that the way that that was discussed and handled and whatever, and him, you know, obviously it's a movie, so they don't talk about it more so that he can go through his whole thing and become a better person without her and then be like, she's really what I want. Um, I think that that, also played very true to life. And also, no one had to compromise anything of themselves to make that work in the end. Um, But no one was taken advantage of or sacrificed anything for love. And you don't see that very often in rom-coms. Everything else about this is pretty bog-standard, tick-all-the-boxes rom-com. It is not really, like, super groundbreaking or off-the-road map of, of romantic comedies. I feel like there's so much in this movie that's very stereotypical and fits all the major plot points and everything. But I think those couple of things stand out about why this movie resonates and is, is funny, but also strikes a slightly different chord is because it's very realistic in those few little ways that you never see in movies. Yeah, I agree. And for a rom-com, there is like no majorly toxic behavior. In this. There's like <laughs> yeah. It's so refreshing. <laughs> 
there's people, you know, having faults and stuff like that, but nobody is like stalks anybody else under the guise of romance. Nobody uh-huh. like majorly pressures somebody else or yeah there's no, a it's decent like, amount it's, of communication like that's always one of those things in movies that kills me is it's like oh if you just had just a 30 talk. second conversation yeah. about this your problem would be solved but because it's yep. a movie you don't have that conversation i feel like in this movie they have those conversations and it's 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 more normal realistic things keeping them apart um i do feel like as far as technical stuff goes we that's also pretty bog standard. Like Lindsay yeah. was saying, nothing stands out super editing wise or cinematography wise or editing wise. It all flows. It all works. But nothing is particularly artistic. It's just sort of like what you expect from a rom-com. I do think that the soundtrack is great. The score is um, really good because you've got people making the movie who care very much about the kind of music that they listen to. So that definitely has an influence. And then obviously Keanu Reeves, we already talked about that. He's great. He does a good job, etc. That's what I think. Yeah. I think I, I'm I'm right there with both of you. All I can really do is is reiterate some of the things you've said uh, and then call out things that I So I, I'm with Lindsay on this one. I am not a rom-com person really beyond what we have done with Keanu thus far. And and what we, from what I have just gleaned, what we will kind of do with Kurt Russell, too, mm-hmm. <laughs> in, a, in an interesting way. So I, I really like that this, like what you had said, Whitney, uh, if I had to take a guess at what your traditional rom-com uh, was like, I would say it's pretty close to this. However, this didn't feel tropey to me because of all of those things that both of you had mentioned where all these people are like grown-ass adults, right? Like Sasha is a strong, independent woman. She does not take shit from anybody. And I like that. Like there's no... um, There's no like longing for her, right? So like when she feels like she was betrayed by... Her fiance, she calls him a shitty person and she breaks up with them. <laughs> and then she gives Randall an ultimatum. She's like, this is my life. This is the trajectory I'm on. I want you to be here with me, but I'm not going to like sit here and beg you. And I really like that about her character. Uh, and it's up to Randall to be like, well, I should probably get my shit together and take some chances and, and live life a little bit. So I really, really, really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of those little bits, like what Maria had written in, like, it must be amazing to see your culture reflected back at you. Like, I, I laughed really hard at that restaurant scene where he, <laughs> he says, I learned Cantonese because the service is better. And he gets mm-hmm. brought food. And I'm like, that is such a cool, like, I, I don't necessarily understand that. But <laughs> I'm like, that is such a cool little touch that must be very real and authentic. And I, I love those those little nods that they put throughout. Mm-hmm. Totally. And uh, I live in Westminster, Orange County, which has a lot of uh, different, from different places, uh, Asian population. There's like a very strong Vietnamese population here. Uh, there's also pretty strong Japanese and like 
Cambodian and a little bit of like Filipino. That's a lot. And it is, uh, I've had some people talk about things that just totally went over my head. Like uh, Vienna sausage is apparently a big joke that I am not aware of. Uh-huh. <laughs> like is a, yeah. and like the spam wasubi, I had, you know, a little bit more exposure to notice that, but things like the Koreans cutting things with scissors all the time when they're cooking. And there's just <laughs> one of those things that if you, yeah. you know, grew up in that kind of culture, there's lots of like that kind of stuff. Like when he was talking about the shoes, just like, it's just a part of the world. It's not a big deal, but it's just, you know, this lived in experience, which is really awesome. Yeah. And I, it's it's truly great. The everyone involved with this, in some capacity, had also been involved with the television show Fresh Off the Boat, which I know tackles a lot of these issues as well. I know like Ali had written on that. I believe Randall is in that show. So like, and and then the director of this also directed a couple episodes of this. So there's like some cool synergy there that they brought with them, and obviously <laughs> all the chemistry and just the. Like the jokes per minute, they they were firing on all <laughs> cylinders with this movie. There was there wasn't really for me necessarily a lull in this movie. There were parts that weren't funny, but it was by virtue of like what was supposed to be happening in the plot at the time. But mm-hmm. when this movie was on, it was very. I was smiling the whole time, whether we're mm-hmm. at a concert <laughs> or. Uh, <laughs> The scene with the the callback to the Tom Ford suit. He's like, my friend Keanu Reeves. <laughs> you sold my friend Keanu Reeves. You know, I, I love I loved all that stuff. So uh, it was really, really a lot of fun. Uh, and then just like a small shout out also. I love that there were like little relationships in this, like his dad and Diana Ross. <laughs> like just those yes. just like little stuff like that. And Allie and her best friend, uh, Sasha and her best friend in the in the movie. I liked all of the kind of side relationships. H- him and the band, the rest of the band when they would interact. It was the all band really was cool. funny. The band yeah, was super I, funny. That felt yeah. super relatable. Not having been in a band, but having been in the presence of many bands with that kind of dynamic. I'm like, <laughs> oh that that feels very real. <laughs> so yeah, I I really really had a great time with this movie. This was my second watch. I had seen this like when it first you know dropped, and mm-hmm. I had just as much fun with it this time. I was kick back, enjoy. It's it's worth mm-hmm. your time. Well worth your time. For sure. I will have to say just one thing about the food that like so they got a great uh, chef consultant to do all of the food and you know all of the. Um, food scenes and everything like that. And obviously I get molecular gastronomy is incredibly easy to make fun of. Like that whole scene yeah. where they're at the, you know, with the, but the only thing that I don't like and that feels a little toxic is the way at the end that they basically attack her food. And the movie kind of validates that at the end with her doing the restaurant based off of his mom's recipes. Um, and there is a place for like, I get like molecular gastronomy is very over the top paying that kind of money, you know, but her artistry and like the other stuff and, you know, is kind of attacked for like the simple, you know, down home kind of food. And then sure. her choosing to do that restaurant at the end kind of validates that message. It's the only thing that feels at all like classically rom-com, you know, kind of toxic about it because and I mean, okay, I'm a food professional and I'm a pretty, um, mm-hmm. like, fancy food. I mean, I make gelato, <laughs> yeah, so I'm not, you know, but, like, I, I'm an experimental food professional. I like to bring in a bunch of, 
you know, different ingredients and stuff. And I think that the movie could have done something where she was embracing that kind of food and him illustrating to her that, like, this restaurant actually has great food. You just think about your childhood all in the negative and stuff without invalidating the kind of work she did in all of to become a celebrity chef in the first place, the kind of food expertise that that entails, you know. It's a really good point, and I agree. There's a place for fancy experimental food and and new agey ideas of food and that it's not worse than home cooking it just has a different place exactly it's not something you're going to do every day but it can create really singular and like rich and exciting experiences for people it that's very interesting i want to this isn't a movie that necessarily needs like a huge deep dive on this but at the end when she introduces that new restaurant, did both of you get the impression that she was leaving the, the like her previous restaurant tour kind of vibe behind and focusing solely on this or just like adding this to? I think that she was adding it to her portfolio. I think that okay. she wanted to incorporate the home cooking of his mom and all the stuff she learned from his mom as like a, a surrogate parent. But I do think that Lindsay's right in that the overall tone of fancy the movie food f- throughout the movie, yeah, the movie and then her that- ending with her newest restaurant being home cooking. Yeah. Sort of puts fancy food in a negative light overall. But I do think she still had all her fancy restaurants. I think this was just <laughs> yeah. A I don't new think she's gonna portfolio. stop doing those. <laughs> yeah, I will say, uh, what a gut punch when she turns the menu over and it's like it's Judy's way. I was like, oh my god, yeah, I can't yeah. cry now. And then she yeah, put the unfinished painting on the wall. Yeah, that was it. Was such a such a bunch, just so many little nice touches throughout. Yeah, they still could have had that whole point and that sweetness and that her reframing parts of her childhood as like realizing that they weren't all bad and stuff without kind of because just, yeah, like what he said, the way they did it, it validated all of his comments earlier about fusion cuisine and, you know, all (laughs) this fake fanciness and everything like that, making it seem like this was the correct way to enjoy food, you know, instead of one of the many ways that food can be enjoyed. Well, they definitely, I mean, especially during the Keanu restaurant scene, I mean, I know that they were, that was a very clearly like a bit and, but I I, I don't know if places like that actually exist, but just like the idea of ordering food. They do. And Whitney and I have patronized some of them and I I am the kind of person who would make lavender crystal bubbles at a dinner party. So... Uh I thought that was incredibly <laughs> impressive. I just don't know if I am the type of person who would walk in and be like, do you have any dishes that play with the concept of time? <laughs> like, I don't know if, I, that's just not me. But I, I don't we, fault anyone Lindsay for that. I'm would. just like, I don't Lindsay know. Lindsay and I, I would do that. Uh, we don't great. necessarily have the means to pay $3,600 for dinner. Yeah. Um, so I haven't had a lot of those kinds of experiences, but sure. I am very much... There's, for example, Lindsay went to Chicago and she went to the the molecular gastronomy bar that's very famous there, the Aviary, and she came back <laughs> talking about a cocktail that played with time. Interesting. It was okay. The, it was a specific glass and a specific thing that it infused more with different it, yeah. flavors the longer that you took to drink it. What? So it was like a bigger vessel. It was a glass vessel that had different like. 
it had like rosemary and dried apple and all of this kind of stuff. And then they poured the cocktail into it and you had a little shot glass. And every time you poured out a little shot glass, it would taste a little different because stuff had been steeping for longer and it would change the character of the cocktail. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, Whitney and I are the kind of people who will go... <laughs> <laughs> we would be you like, know. do you have something that plays with the concept of time? <laughs> I, yeah. I have not asked that question, but that is the kind of question I would ask. And that food is not um, as homey. You know, it's like a whole different level of like home cooking and big batch cooking or whatever. And I like food on any level from like right. butter on a Hawaiian roll for lunch to do you yeah. have a, a anything that plays with the concept of time? Anywhere in that scale, I like your food. I don't, you know, like, I will eat a KFC uh, famous bowl any day. Mm. But I also... And, like, home-cooked food is amazing and stuff made from scratch. And it's, you know, that big fancy stuff is not something you're going to do every day. But it is a worthwhile thing that I think our, our culture tends to mock a lot because it is so extreme and often very, like, expensive, you know? Yes. But, I think that it's mostly price, right? That that most I would say, given the opportunity, most people might try. What what was the this dish that they had that was all black? Um, I can't remember what they ate in the in the movie. It was like it was pasta all, with squid ink and black bread. Yeah, I think given the opportunity, bread. people might try that. But if it was if it's like a hundred dollars a bowl, then that's the stopping point right there yeah. for most people. Maybe I don't know. But yeah. I mean, like I have a my Halloween party every year, which unfortunately I'm not going to be able to do this year, is I, I throw an eight course dinner party based off of a different gothic novel every year for Halloween. Fun. And it, it there's, yeah, it gives amazing. people these experiences with food that you don't get to have every day that are fun. And they're just like they're entertainment as well as nourishment and stuff like when I did Jekyll and Hyde, every dish had a light element and a dark element and an element of transformation. You know, to play with the themes of the book. <laughs> Halfway through the so, meal, you took a, a miracle berry pill, and then everything after that was really sour. Really sweet. It's really sweet, yeah. So I made like a, a trio of desserts to... that had no sugar in them, and you could try them like they were, and then you could take the miracle berry pill and taste them like sweetened. You know, but <laughs> and I had it little like apothecary vials, so you were taking the, the powder in... Uh, Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> Directly. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next so, time I mean, you two are around in the Pennsylvania area and we've gotten through all of this terrible bullshit that we're currently going through and you happen to be going out to eat, just give me a, shoot me a text. Mm -hmm. Be like, we're going to go play with the concept of time. <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> I'm like, all right. All right. We'll do. That's we will. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah, I think that's a really great point that I didn't even think of at the time, is that there is sort of an aftertaste in your mouth when you're done with the movie of a certain kind of food being better than another kind of food. And that is not true. Mm -hmm. All right. I think it's yeah, time, As though. a chef, I wrinkled slightly at a couple of points of the... <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I think, it's, it's did, you say, did you say I it? Time. Yeah. I said it was it's time. I said it was time. We got a knock we, on the void. We're knocking? All right. Let's, uh, let's cue up our ceremonial music and, and hope for the best here. Here we go. 
pop quiz asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! She's got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Oh, my. Pop Quiz Asshole is our very own quiz show where the host will ask each of us three questions. If one of us gets it wrong, the other has a chance to steal. If they get it wrong, the other person has a chance to steal, assuming they remember the remaining answer. We're back. We're back to it, Whitney. The Void has no sh... Well, no. Okay, The Void has no shot. I, I was like, let me try the math here just to make sure. The Void has no shot. This unless- time here to protect you guys from The Void. <laughs> Keep the void at bay unless Charles has somehow added unless there's a some fourth sort of answer. Wrench in the works. <laughs> unless, unless of course, uh, there are most likely some bonus questions, uh, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, as always, I will now turn it over to the master of ceremonies, Charles Nolan. Hello, everybody. Hello, hey, Charles. Charles. Hello, Charles. How are we doing today? Well, yeah, decent. Uh, Decent, well, decent, good. Yeah, let's go with good. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll stay right in that middle area. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Today's pop quiz asshole will be a little different, as each question <laughs> will have fifty choices. <laughs> oh, the void. Let me call up every previous guest really quickly. <laughs> I think they're all on Discord. Let me see. All right. <laughs> I'll narrow it down to three. Perfect. Oh, that's nice. Perfect. Let's start off with Lindsay. All right. In what year does the movie open? Is it 1994, 1995, or 1996? Uh, 1994. That is incorrect. Steel. I heard Whitney first. 1995? That is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Steel. Andrew. 1996, of course. That is correct. <laughs> there has to be like a less enthusiastic correct, like, okay, like a meh, like something. <laughs> like, you got that one, but did you? <laughs> Technically accurate, but. You're right. <laughs> you rolled over the finish line. Right. I did it. <laughs> Moving on to Whitney. Yes. In the opening scene, what TV show does Sasha turn on while eating dinner? Was it Clarissa Explains It All, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, or Family Matters? Family Matters? That is incorrect. Steel? Lindsay. Clarissa explains it all. That is correct. Nailed it. Melissa Joan Hart. (laughs) Andrew. All right, here we go. In what grade did Marcus get the condom? (laughs) Was it seventh, eighth, or ninth? (laughs) I feel like... I feel like it was the I ha, seventh sticks out in my brain. I'm going with seventh. 
That is correct. Yeah, I felt like, I don't know if that was what, when I learned that, it seemed a little, okay, it all checks out. Back up to the top of the order with Lindsay. When it seemed like our boy Keanu might not be able to play the role of Keanu Reeves, what person was not considered to play that boyfriend role? Was it M. Night Shyamalan, John Cho, or Tony Leung? Uh, M. Night Shyamalan? That is incorrect. What? <laughs> That would have been funny, too, but I don't think he's as self-aware as... <laughs> Andrew, I heard you say steal. John Cho. That is correct. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I, I would have taken that movie, too. I'll be honest Also, with you. John briefly Cho. considered, was Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's funny. Moving on to Whitney. Yes. What movie does Veronica think had some scenes filmed at the club Raga? Was it American Psycho, The Last Days of Disco, or Boys Don't Cry? Boys Don't Cry. That is correct. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> not the not good ones. <laughs> what scenes? Not good ones. <laughs> Moving on to Andrew. In what year did the lock stop working on Marcus's Corolla? <laughs> oh, no. Was it 2006, 2007, or 2008? Uh, 2006. That is incorrect. God damn it. Steel. Lindsay. 2007? That is correct. Nice. nice. Nicely done. Back up to the top of the order for the last round of Regulation Pop Quiz Asshole. We are flying through this. <laughs> Lindsay. What is the name of the restaurant where they meet Keanu for dinner? Steel. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> you can't yet. I, I, I spit out all this water I was just drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Lindsay. Or Was Charles, it? I guess. Maximal, Saintly Fair, or Washout? Uh, I think it was Maximal. That is correct. Ooh. Nicely done. Oh my gosh. I was so ready to have that one. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't breathe, really. That's all right. That was funny. <laughs> it was a steal before the... It wasn't your... <laughs> I loved, yeah. I, I loved everything about that. I loved everything about that. I knew I was jumping the gun, but I was excited that I knew an answer. Uh-huh. And St. Lee Fair was one of her restaurants. Yeah. So. That is correct. But not for points. <laughs> no. Whitney. Yes. <laughs> Approximately what percentage of the way through the movie are we? When we first see a glimpse of our boy Keanu. 40%, 50%, or 60%? 50%. That is correct. 
Nicely done. Yeah, right at the halfway mark there. Yep. That, that, that feels good. Almost exactly. Nice. nice. For the final regulation question, we go to Andrew. Okay. When Sasha and Marcus are making out, what temperature is the thermostat set to in her house? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> is it 69, 70, or 71? Listen, Charles. This feels like a trick. I know what I want to say in my heart of hearts. They're in California. I'm going to go 70. That is the that is the actual temperature a house should be. 70. Final answer. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> but also, nice. Disagree. A house should be 72, but okay. All right. That's fine. <laughs> I, you know, I'm an exotherm or whatever they call those people that, you know. I'm not out there wearing shorts in the wintertime, but. I don't need a heavy jacket. It's, yeah. yeah. I don't experience temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> so a thermostat must be like wild for you, Charles. What is this thing? I understand its function, but I don't understand why. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Moving on to our bonus round of questions. We have three bonus questions. Okay. And as always, they are not directed to any one person but instead thrown out, and the first person to buzz in gets to answer, almost like what Whitney tried to do earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is almost like that, isn't it? And let's get a refresher on everybody's buzzer sounds, starting with Lindsay. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you, Whitney. Me. Thank you, Andrew. Bzz. Thank you. Bonus round question number one. Our boy Keanu filmed his scenes in four days. In between recording for what other film? Hmm. Me. Whitney. Uh, John Wick 3? That is correct. Unbelievable. He really was John Wick in this one, though. <laughs> <laughs> he was very, very in the, the John Wick, like, character in a lot of this. Like, when he's, like, hit me, fight me, get it out. He definitely had a John Wick thing going. Yeah, that was like uh, in a happening of monumental proportions where he was yeah. coming off of John Wick, too. You're like, he's just John Wick. He's still John Wick. <laughs> he's just wearing a red polo. Bonus question number two. Set it and forget it, just like that old commercial. What commercial is being referenced? Is it for a crockpot, a thermostat, or a rotisserie oven? Ding, ding, ding. Lindsay. Crockpot? That is incorrect. Me? Me? Whitney. A rotisserie oven? That is correct. Nicely done. Do you do you happen to know what product that was, Charles? What uh, rotisserie of? It was like a specific brand. That seems like a dangerous thing to forget about. I don't know. All that I could find was the name of the product was rotisserie oven. <laughs> <laughs> it's back in a much simpler time. What is it? Rotisserie oven. Ah, of course. 
You put in an entire chicken and forget about it. <laughs> and then later, oops, dinner's ready. <laughs> we forgot about it, but now we have food. For the potential final question of oh. Pop Quiz Asshole. Keanu says that the residual checks from one of his movies covers the $6,400 dinner. Andrew, Speed. I heard you buzz in. Speed? That is correct. <laughs> oh, you beat me. I was just starting to buzz in when you already buzzed in. Had Lindsay gotten it, we would have had a three-way tie. Whoa. Oh. Instead, the score is three to four to five. With our winner being Andrew. <gasps> I don't know what button to press. There it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Bravo. Oh, my God. Bravo, indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, again... This must be what Whitney felt like for all of seasons one, two, and three. Just <laughs> pure bliss. Pure bliss. That's all I got. Well, now it is time to move on to Pop Quiz Audience. Oh, yeah. Every week, I prepare three questions for our listeners. And they can tweet to me at the Nolan on Twitter or with the hashtag pop quiz audience and if they get their answers right then they get called out in another episode mm -hmm. last episode's pop quiz audience questions were as follows question number one what animal do we see in this movie for the first time in any pixar movie and the answer was a cat correctly guessed by zoe nice Excellent! Next up, there's an antique candy machine in Second Chance Antiques. How much is the candy? The correct answer was five cents. Correctly gotten by Claire. Whoa! Excellent! And finally, what's the name of the ride Duke targets for the 40-foot jump off the Ferris wheel? The correct answer was Star Adventurer. Correctly gotten by Zoe. Nice. Zoe. Excellent. Our three pop quiz audience questions for this week. Question number one. What snack do 1996 Sasha and Marcus enjoy on the San Francisco cable car? Question two. What is the name of the first restaurant where we see Sasha working? And question number three. Which member of Hello Peril was part of the original lineup with Marcus? Send your answers to me at the Nolan, T-H-E-N-O-W-L-I-N on Twitter, or include the hashtag popquizaudience. And if you're right, you'll get called out in our next episode. Whew. What? What a round. What a game. Charles, as always, great questions. A lot of fun. Thank you for the, the time that goes into this. Of course, thank you for letting me do it. It's literally the only thing I do. <laughs> <laughs> so wouldn't that be nice? You know, 
have this one task. That, you know, mm-hmm. I'd probably mm-hmm. still put that off if that was the case. So soda. But hey, <laughs> procrastination know? finds a way. Yeah, it's <laughs> the struggle <laughs> really, is real. Really, for me, it's more like ADD finds a way. <laughs> right, right. Of course, of course. Charles, straight and narrow though, figures it out. Shows up prepared, consummate professional. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. Wait, you can see me. <laughs> no, I, oh no, oh, it was yeah. just a figure of speech. Yeah, sorry, I did. <laughs> we almost we, there was almost a connection. I felt it. That was yeah, that was something. There was something I mean, there. Are you, are you perceivable in like a visual spectrum? I honestly do not even know. All righty then. Got to run some experiments. I've got a lot of things to think about. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we've given you a lot to go with. So there you go. You have more than one thing to do now beyond the trivia. (laughs) Thank you for giving me additional purpose. I'm going to go sit in an existential stink. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, good boy. I, I said a say, good boy. I've been in one of those before, and it was not fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Introducing Charles to philosophy may not be for, you know, his benefit. Oh, no. What have we done? <laughs> I think okay. we lost Charles. Yeah. All right. Well, that was great. He oh really my meant gosh. it when he said he's off to sit in an existential <laughs> sink. Charles is there. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. All right. So now it's time to run down the uh, plot points of the movie. That's which you. I am going to take from Wikipedia. So if you have anything to add or anything jogs your memory, just let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wikipedia says Sasha Tran and Marcus Kim are childhood friends who grow up next door to each other in San Francisco. As Sasha's Vietnamese immigrant slash refugee parents regularly leave her alone while they tend to the store, Marcus's parents often have her over for dinner, and Marcus's Korean-American mother, Judy, teaches her to cook. Eventually, Sasha and Marcus form a close friendship that carries into their teenage years, but this is broken after his mother dies in an accident. Grieving, the two lose their virginities to one another, but a wedge is driven between them when they argue shortly afterwards and they fall out of touch. Mm. 16 years later, Sasha is a celebrity chef engaged to Brandon Choi, who's played by Daniel Day Kim, uh, who is also a successful restaurateur. And he is, I believe it doesn't say this in Wikipedia, but he is also her manager. Um, Marcus is still in San Francisco living with his widowed father and performs in a talented but largely unsuccessful band that only plays in his neighborhood. He also has a girlfriend, Jenny, who is an Asian-American woman with dreadlocks. I don't know why Wikipedia (laughs) thought that was important to point out. (laughs) They pointed it out in the movie. There is a whole joke about it. It was very funny. Sasha breaks up with Brandon after he delays their wedding yet again. Briefly moving back to the Bay Area to oversee the opening of a new restaurant, she has a chance encounter with Marcus when he and his father are hired to install air conditioning at her temporary home. 
After initial friction, they reconnect and become friends again, and Marcus admits to his father that he still has feelings for Sasha. But before he can tell her, Sasha announces she has met someone new, and they wind up in a disastrous double date with Marcus's girlfriend and Sasha's new love interest, movie star Keanu Reeves. <laughs> the long evening ultimately dissolves into chaos, which is the best part of the movie, the dissolving into chaos mm -hmm. part. As Sasha confesses her longtime childhood crush on Marcus, a brawl breaks out between Marcus and Keanu, and Jenny ends up staying with Keanu for the night. Sasha and Marcus then begin seeing each other, with Marcus reacquainting Sasha with the home and San Francisco Asian community she had distanced herself from, still harboring resentment over her absentee parents. He takes her to an old favorite Cantonese restaurant from their childhood, which Sasha remembers as terrible, but discovers is delicious, marred only by her painful memories. As she reconnects to the city and the two fall in love, Marcus is taken aback to learn that, as planned, Sasha still intends to move to New York for her next project once a San Francisco restaurant has launched. When Sasha asks Marcus to join her, he refuses, and she leaves San Francisco alone. He is then taken to task by both his father and his bandmates, and Marcus realizes that his mother's death has made him scared to move on in life. He then moves out of his childhood home and takes steps to make the band more successful. He calls Sasha regularly with updates, but not receiving any reply, does not pursue her further until he discovers Sasha is secretly supporting his musical ambitions by buying all of the band's merch. This emboldens Marcus to surprise Sasha on the red carpet at an award show in Manhattan, asking for her to take him Excuse me, I burped. <clears throat> asking for her to take him back and pledging to be wherever she is. She accepts. Reunited, Sasha takes Marcus to the New York restaurant she's been developing. It is named for and features his mom Judy's recipes. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's I love to say that moment the at the end where he goes to her food and wine award and does the speech and he's like, I was working on it in the car, but I didn't write it down, so this is gonna be the bad version. And then it's such a great speech, and after the end she goes, That was the bad version. <laughs> I did like that yes. part a lot. Yes, that was very good. Yeah. That was um <laughs> I I loved Right at the end there too, where he goes to the again goes to the Tom Ford. <laughs> it's like hell yeah, one champagne. <laughs> he sees the price tag. He's, take it off, take it off. It burns my skin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I, the one that he ended up with. It was clearly not a two hundred dollars suit or whatever he said it was. That was a nice one yeah. too. <laughs> Let me be honest with you. That was a dapper as hell suit. Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah, more than he was saying with $260 with two right, pairs of pants. Two, and a shirt, like two shirts <laughs> and a belt or something. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to call out that I, I also forgot about that was really, really good was it was small and subtle, but I think it was very effective, was her relationship with her parents and how they would show up at various times unannounced mm -hmm. and and. You know, you could tell that she was a little resentful of, of, of them for her childhood, but they seemed to be trying in earnest. And I, I thought that was very, uh, I thought that was very effective for me personally. I was like, oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. They're doing what they was, can. I think it was a great way of showing that she 
had absentee parents, but they weren't abusive or neglectful necessarily. They were just yeah. doing the best that they could. And I think that they're trying to rekindle the relationship and build it now that they had some more free time was really delightful. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was nice. Their characters were really strongly established, even though there's not that much time in the movie spent on it. But like she makes enough comments about her mom's worst fear being that she has to tip someone and stuff that by the time that their big gesture is going to her restaurant, not using her name and paying full price, you get it. Yeah. You know, even though Here's the receipt, you know, they have the proof. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That was nice. That was really also, nice. Also, Mr. Kim is incredible. Oh, yeah. Yes. He's an incredible oh, yeah. he's character. He's so great. When he's he says, so I wash my face with shampoo, I laughed out loud. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, he's like, I, I can't go. I got to take care of you, Dad. He's like, I could shove a needle in my ass. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't also, need you. We already mentioned it, but the him falling for a Diana Ross impersonator was so oh, funny. Really great. Yeah. And I, like I do Diana think Ross. I liked in this movie, like you're saying, her relationships with her parents, her parents trying. And I do think it's like an important step as an adult when you sort of reframe your childhood and you look back at it and you realize that your parents were just people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They were working hard to provide for you, you know, or whatever their, you know, whatever it was. It wasn't a malice, at least in her case, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. It was a it was a fun movie. It was a good one. We've mm -hmm. had a we've had yeah. a couple good ones in a row. I gotta mm -hmm. be honest. I gotta be honest. Yeah, you got to end on a, a pretty high note with uh Oh, I'm so excited for what's coming up. Wait, these last as we slide into home here. Oh my gosh. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Mm -hmm. Hashtag mm -hmm. blessed. The easy part here, I think this is going to be relatively straightforward. We'll start with Lindsay. Uh do you ultimately recommend this film? I definitely do. Okay. Yeah, we kind of, you know, we didn't bury the lead too much up top, so. I was pretty uh, upfront about how much I think <laughs> this movie is a fun time. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh Whitney, is it safe to assume you as well? I do also recommend this movie. Excellent. That's going to be a recommend from me as well. So that's great. Okay, so that has been logged. Now comes the much more interesting part here. I am opening up our host rankings. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what mine is right now. So. Yeah. So, Lindsay. You only list... have 10 movies right. in here. So, you're. <laughs> Lindsay's yeah. list is. Uh, this will be. Yeah. This will be your 11th film with us. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume above Knock Knock, but I don't know where else. <laughs> It is absolutely above Knock Knock and above the Daily Earthstone still, for sure. Whoa! Okay, okay. So where are you going to put this on your list of current 10, soon to be 11? Um, I'm not sure what my current 10 is. Much Ado About Nothing is number one. Number two is Speed. Number three is Dracula. Number four is The Matrix. Five is Constantine. Six is The Neon Demon. Seven is The Private Lives of Pippa Lee. Eight is the Bad Batch. Nine is the Day the Earth Stood Still, and ten is Knock Knock. I uh, yeah, this is gonna go right uh, under Constantine. I think. I I thought so. I just had a good <laughs> feeling about that one. I was like, that feels like a good spot. Yeah, you could have yeah. you could have put money on that one pretty pretty easily because I knew that was what was gonna happen. 
<laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> love that ranking. I love it. All right. Whitney, mm -hmm. what do you got? I put it at number 10, below Man of Tai Chi. It bumps Destination Wedding out of a top 10 spot, uh, but it is directly between Man of Tai Chi and Destination Wedding, which I feel is like a really accurate place of how I feel about this movie. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about that you, Andrew? As I had said in the past, uh, I am due for like a mini reckoning. I'm not going to mm -hmm. do that now. We'll just wait until the end. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure we're going to record some sort of, I don't know, some sort of uh, post-mortem or some uh, ep listener episode thing. I don't know what we're going to do. Epilogue. How, yeah, some sort of, because uh, we're, we're a ways out from another Keanu film, if we're being completely honest. So mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put this at number... 12. So it's going to bump Toy Story. It's between, it's uh, just after Man of Tai Chi, just above Toy Story 4. I, I really, really enjoy this movie. I would put this on again just as kind of background. Uh, it's one of those movies for me, like you, Whitney, mm -hmm. and kind of Much Ado. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that fits for me. I, now just know that that will change. <laughs> because mm -hmm. I have to reorder some things. Just, yes. one, just one thing, really. But we'll get to that. All right. That's all been logged. Feeling good about this, this top 20 list. I like Lindsay's list. It's abridged, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like what you need. It's the hits. It's like if you had to see some <laughs> Keanu stuff, with the exception of number 11, you know? Yeah. You could see that. No. Well, that, hers is representative of the highs and the lows, you yeah, see. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's... <laughs> It's like some a of the real, weird stuff, though. It is. It's like a real quick bullet points if you're trying to show somebody how varied his career is. It's Correct. a good list. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. It's a perfect list. So next week, uh, I will be walking us through Between Two Ferns. Which is a movie based off of a funnier die skit, uh, mm -hmm. which is just bonkers. It's just a bonkers <laughs> thing to have to it say is out bonkers. loud. <laughs> However, I am a big fan of of the skit. I like Zach Galifianakis. He is, uh, if you are into that kind of very awkward comedy that he is very good at, uh, I think it's it's fun. The writer and creator is Scott Aukerman, who is a guy that I've been following forever. I've probably listened yeah. to 300 episodes of comedy bang bang <laughs> over the past several For years sure. so like that guy is just one of my favorite people <laughs> i just find him immensely immensely funny so uh i'm excited for this whitney have you seen this movie i have not seen it no okay i'm very curious to see it i'm gonna say that this is like uh, with no spoilers or anything the amount of keanu we get in this movie is on the lower end, but it is mm -hmm. certainly not a cameo. It is Keanu as yeah. himself, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, Lindsay, have you seen this movie? I have not seen this movie. All right, it might be worth watching. I mean, I don't know if you're. I don't know if you intend to to join us. I, we hadn't discussed that or anything like that. I think it's definitely worth uh, at least a watch if you are into the first ten minutes. Then you'll probably <laughs> you'll enjoy know. the rest yeah. of the ride. But again. <laughs> Whitney, you have no choice. Lindsay, you, 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 could, you could peace out and be fine. <laughs> so 
There you go. There you go. That's next week. There's no turning back now for me. <laughs> right. It would be really weird for Between Two Ferns to be the hill you die on. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It doesn't make it much sense. It is the wrong time. It is it the wrong time. It would be very funny. Time. This would be a great place to stand on principle. I just don't, I mean, just from a pure comedy standpoint. But, uh, yeah. Come on. I We're do. Right here. I do want to reiterate, we will continue to make Keanu episodes when there's new Keanu stuff to talk about. Yeah. And even if you don't like Kurt Russell like you like Keanu Reeves, follow us to the new one for at least a couple of episodes because I think you're going to like it just as much. Absolutely. We're going to bring the same charm and wit is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'd like to call dibs on the thing if nobody has yet. I don't know. Oh, I'm oh, sure Eric has. But, early. but yes. <laughs> look, I could sit one out because everyone's clamoring for the... Th I'll be like, look, you guys take over. I just want to sit and listen I mean, to one. Or I'm we could just have like 15 people on I the thing episode. That. <laughs> we've had a four. We've had four, you know, that, that could work. That could work. We'll see. I'm into it. I love that people are so excited about the Kurt stuff already, though. So mm -hmm. that's great. I mean, I could also definitely do Overboard, so. Overboard. Another well, Lindsay, one. what about the one and only original Genuine Family Band? Oh, my gosh. It has been so long since I've seen that movie. <laughs> we watched that movie as kids without realizing A Kurt lot. Russell was in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, should probably definitely show up for that one, then. Right. There you go. It's just that's common ground. There we go. I don't think I've ever seen that. So uh, it doesn't ring Most a bell. Most people least. have not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's it's a like, reason for it. I don't remember. <laughs> but no, Whitney and I watched a lot of really obscure live action Disney movies when we were kids, like The Happiest Millionaire, stuff that nobody else has ever heard of. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. So I'm... Uh... <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hope that's on Disney Plus. Uh, maybe that's the reason it's why. It's not. I... It's my favorite oh, Disney no, movie, look, and it's not on Disney We Plus. wanted to show it to our little sister, and it's not there. God damn it. The one and only now genuine original family band, however, is on Disney Plus. And so is the computer yeah. wears tennis shoes. So we've got a few early Disney, like old school Disney live actions to get through in Kurt Russell. Yeah. And I think it's going to be fun. I will run down... We'll have a little offline thing. I'll, cr I'll create the list based on like availability and what we think will work the best in terms of the movies we'll cover. But I think, uh, you know, we got some weird stuff up top. As long as we can like find a place to watch And it, in the middle and down it. at the bottom, it is Kurt Russell after all. There's some weird stuff <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's great. The Kurt Locker. Mm -hmm. We'll send out a trailer and feed soon. Do that. Mm -hmm. I got to mm -hmm. do that. I'm procrastinating. That's it. We did it. We're we done. We did it. Lindsay, you uh, have been wonderful to have on this show. I don't know. Again, I don't know if you're going to be on for another episode or, or what have you, but uh, thank you for joining us on the multiple episodes that you've come and lent your expertise, especially on this one. I didn't, I, I honestly didn't think the, the, the food angle was a nice thing that I didn't even consider. That's why... <laughs> That's why you're here. So that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you. If people want to keep up with you, your comings and goings on the internet, where, you know, your gelato creations, where are they going? Mm -hmm. 
my Twitter is Lindsay Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N. And my Instagram is Lindsay Cameron Nelson, but it is at least 70% gelato pictures. Uh, if, if that's what you're interested in, you should definitely look it up. Uh, Historical Hotties has been on a summer break, but we're coming back in October. Really, really we... more a COVID break than a summer break. But <laughs> yeah, right. It happened it to coincide out. with the summer, but it was more of a... Uh, yeah, respite from COVID sort of stress. So, but we're coming mm-hmm. back in October because we will not miss an opportunity to do spooky episodes. So nice, um, perfect. Yeah. We are going to talk about real historical people who are hot and have been cursed, and real historical people who are hot and have rumored to be ghosts now. <laughs> I'm gonna definitely listen to the. I, I'm super curious about who might be cursed. So I'm definitely. I mean, I'm in for all of them. But <laughs> I, when I see, when I hear the, the the hook for certain, you have to know that some of your hooks are like, oh, okay, I'm definitely in for that. So unfortunately, <laughs> some of our best episodes. One of my favorites is accountants. It yes, has accountants no hook is so for. good. When you talk about like the hottest accountants in history, uh-huh. everyone's like, no thanks. <laughs> Right. But we know that it's sexy when it's like, who are real people who are rumored to have been cursed, but also they're yeah. hot. Like, that's way, way better plug of than course. hot accountants. Hot accountants. But I will tell you, the accountants one is just as fun as our Deal with the Devil episode, which was last Halloween. It was people who mm-hmm. were rumored to have made a deal with the devil. Sold their soul to, to the devil for mm-hmm. something. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 I like it. I mm-hmm. like it. Check out historical hotties mm-hmm. everywhere. Wherever you get this podcast, you get that one. So exactly. Just subscribe. True. Just do it. Yeah, subscribe now because they're coming in October. So you'll be prepared. Get spooky with us. <laughs> get spooky with us. Mm-hmm. Trademark it. Put it on the cover. <laughs> Whitney. Nelson mm-hmm. family motto. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is. I've seen the Facebook posts about the decorations. <laughs> I, it is true. It's 100% true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whitney, Lindsay stole half of, your, half of your plugs, but where else could people find you on the internet? On Twitter, I'm at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N, although I've been pretty dormant on Twitter while pandemic has been going on. Uh, I've, I've fallen off of that somewhat. So if you really are interested in what's going on with me and you want 99.9% dog pictures... Uh, you can see all of my day-to-day recaps of what Buddy is up to on Instagram at Whitney Nelson, no underscore. Perfect, perfect. Buddy, goodest boy, 11 out of 10. He, yes. Want a pet one day. Yes. <laughs> Would kill a lot of Russians for. <laughs> right. <laughs> Theon Greyjoy is fucking no dead chance. for this yeah. dog. <laughs> Peter Stormare, gone. Right. Oh, I will, I will that's kill, unfortunate. I will kill but I understand. Them all. Poor buddy. <laughs> Let them know, Winston. She will kill them all. Uh, <laughs> you can find me across the internet uh, at Dark Driving. Let's say Twitter and Instagram, and then do a search for the primary storyline on YouTube. I've been teaching people how to edit video, how to edit podcasts, how to set up microphones, how to set up lights, how to look great on Zoom, all sorts of great stuff. All these new skills that we've had to learn that I have actually had hidden in my back pocket as a kind of a video type person over the years. So it's great. 
We sit down, we go live, we have a beer, we learn stuff. If that sounds like your jam, just uh, mosey on over. Make It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Check it out. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to press my uh, which button, this button, this one. There it is. Oh, my God. Thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. fish for food um, at all. I've never kept a fish alive. Lindsay has actively killed my fish. So don't ask <laughs> you her either. You started it. <laughs> she fish pulled murder. the tail off my fish uh-huh. as a kid. And it was trying, it was like limping around the tank without a tail what? before it died like a day later. It was so sad. She pulled, I, I killed her fish. And so she, in retaliation, <laughs> pulled the tail off my fish. It's a long story. We were like, it's a, it's a sorted three tale. and four. The fish's names were Bert and Tree. <laughs> yes. Rest. Let's have, a, let's have a moment, a moment of, silence. of silence for all fish. <laughs> Pour one out for all uh-huh. goldfish ever. Yeah. Smoke uh-huh. them if you got them. <laughs>